Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. So, um, I'm going to invite you to stay seated, and we're going to enter into the teaching. Um, time is a little tight this morning, but the Lord will help us, and whatever we don't finish today, we'll finish another time. Would you open up your Bibles to John chapter 5? John chapter 5. Today I want to speak on the theme, a life-changing encounter, as we saw all those getting baptized, and I just felt led to um, uh, share a little bit on our encounter with Jesus changes our lives forever, forever. How many know that your encounter with Jesus is just not a one-time experience, but it's a life-changing encounter? It changes our lives forever. John chapter 5. I want to read 15 verses. Verses 1 through 15. John chapter 5 verses 1 through 15. Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the sheep gate of pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonies Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years, paralyzed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders, It was Jesus who had made him well. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that it would land in our hearts this morning, that it would speak to us, that our Sunday would change our Monday, that it would be a word that could be applied to our lives and help us in our every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A life-changing encounter. The truth is seen in the story a truth that we all have come to experience, that Jesus has come into our life, and when he comes into our lives, he changes our lives forever. This man had been paralyzed for 38 years. It is believed that um, he had a lifestyle that brought him to this place, 
And it's believed that Jesus tells him to stop sinning so that nothing worse would happen to him. I love the story when Jesus had learned this and he had saw this, that this man had been in this condition for so many years. I love that he asked him, do you want to be well? Would you, would you want to be well? Would you want to come out of this circumstance? And the paralyzed man re re replies, I have no one to help me in the pool when the waters is stirred up. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. They believe that those times in that experience that the first one in the water would be the one that would receive the healing. So Jesus looks at him and tells him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once he was healed and he grabbed his mat. And there's a discussion because Jesus had done this on the miracle, uh, on the Sabbath, and, and he uh, walks away carrying his mat. But I love what he does. This paralyzed man who was paralyzed, he goes to the temple. And later on, Jesus finds him there and... and and Jesus encourages him. Jesus gives him a command. And Jesus gives him a warning. Encourages him and says, see, you're, you're well again. Gives him a command and says, stop sinning. And gives him a warning. Says, or something worse can happen to you. Jesus came to the earth, not just to help us with our needs, but to change our lives forever. I would like to suggest to you this morning that our encounter with Jesus may be provoked by a need, but our need is only the venue that God wants to use to show us his life-changing power. We experience God's grace, God's goodness, and God's power, not just for the situation in which we find ourselves in, but we experience it for a complete change of life. You see, so many have come to Jesus in a time of need. And once he helps them, they're right back to where they started from. And they find themselves in the same mess or even in things even harder or worse for them. But God's touch in our life should not just help us for the moment or the season. But I would suggest to you this morning that that initial touch should start a lifelong change. This man was at a religious gathering. He was at the Jewish festival, at the Passover. I want to remind you that a religious gathering or church event or a church or even doing good deeds will not make the difference in our lives. It's a true encounter with Jesus that makes the difference. It's not just a religious experience. It's not just about going to a church it's not just about knowing your Bible, but it's about an encounter with Jesus that works from the inside out, that changes our lives together. I've talked about this before, but I want to remind you that the gospel is, is a gospel that impacts our life holistically. It impacts our life socially, spiritually, and physically. When we look at this paralyzed man, uh, uh, his encounter with Jesus changed his life socially where now he no longer had to reside by a pool, but he was able to leave that place and socialize in the temple and worship in the temple and gather with other people. His impact with Jesus changed him socially. His impact with Jesus changed him physically, no longer bound to a paralyzed body, but he had received miracle that changed his physical being and allowed him to walk and live like a normal man and also changed his life spiritually. He recognized 
his encounter, though he did not know Jesus, he knew it was heavenly. And how do we know that? Because he goes to the temple to worship, to pray, to thank God for the miracle on his life. I want to encourage you and remind you today. I want to remind those who've been baptized that an encounter with Jesus is not just for the moment, but it changes our lives forever. And the church says, so I want to talk to you this morning quickly. An encouragement, a command, and a warning. An encouragement. Jesus meets him in the temple, and the first thing that he tells him, and I love this. I love that Jesus finds him later on, did not see him after the miracle, slips away. He doesn't even know who Jesus is, but Jesus finds him later and says, See, you are well again. I love that. When we look at our lives, and we look at our lives after our encounter with Jesus, we could look at our lives and we could see, man, I'm, I'm well again. My, 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 my matrimony is well again. My relationship with my, with my siblings and my children is, is well again. I'm no longer bound to sin. I'm no longer bound to any addiction. No, no. Isn't it wonderful to know that our encounter with Jesus takes us to a place where we can hear the words, then you are well again. It's an encouragement. And only an encounter with Jesus allows us to hear those words. You're good. You're healed. You, you're no longer waiting for someone to magically come and, and touch you and help you. No, no. When we look at our lives, we can actually say, wow, a touch of Jesus makes us well. You know, uh, when we look at the gospel, and we look at those who really have given their hearts to the Lord, and you know what, they're well again. They're, they're not addicted to alcohol, and they're not a, addicted to pornography, and they're not a, addicted to drugs, and they're not liars, and they're not gossipers, and they're not manipulators, and they're not cheaters. Why? Because an encounter with Jesus has changed their life completely, and they are well again. That's an encouragement for us. To know that you are not who you used to be, but once you come to know Jesus, he's changed your life again. I imagine that, that this paralyzed man was so happy. He was looking at his body. He must have been in shock. He must have been so grateful. He's looking for words of gratitude to say, oh my God, uh, how thankful I am. He was happy and he goes to the temple. I know that many of us have had experiences just like this. When we observe the goodness of God in our lives, we say things like, wow, we don't deserve it. Right? Where we're shocked and we say, only God can love this way. Only God can bless this way. We tear up just thinking about it. Just, just yesterday, Becky and I were talking, we were sharing, we were just reflecting. We are just reflecting. And, and it just humbled us to think, Lord, you, you've been so gracious with us. We haven't done anything to deserve this. You've just been so gracious with, uh, with our home and our family and the ministry. And you've been so good and you put the right people around us to help us in our vulnerabilities and in our weaknesses and in our shortcomings. You didn't allow us to function in them, but you brought good people to help us. We've seen the goodness of God in so many ways in our lives. Those who were baptized today, you have made a public confession that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And he is, has done and is doing a good work in you. God's goodness in our lives moves us also to do good things. It moves us to worship him and to seek him. And it moves us to serve him. It moves us to live a life that pleases him. It moves us to teach and preach and encourage others. Why? 
because we've come to know a Jesus that he changed our lives forever. This man went to the temple. It shows that he wanted to thank God for the miracle, for the working of God's hand in his life. So he goes to the temple. This is the norm. Once we've experienced the goodness of God, man, once we've been forgiven, we look to forgive, right? Once we've been blessed, we, we look to bless. Once we've been healed, we, we look to be instruments that help heal others. Why? We've understood this. We just want to get to a place where we worship and we give and we serve uh, and we go to church and we tell the world about Jesus. Why? Because we understand that today, because of our encounter with Jesus, we are well. We are well. God wants to remind us his, his initial touch in our lives. It's just the beginning to all that he wants to do in us. It's what introduces us to his power. It's what introduces us to his love. It's what introduces us to his grace. Uh, we felt lost, but we came to Jesus. We felt depressed, but we found Jesus. We needed a miracle, and we came to Christ. We needed healing in our homes, and, and Jesus is doing the work. Uh, he gave us what we needed so that we don't have to live the life that had us condemned and broken. It's an encounter with Jesus that makes us well. Can you look at somebody next to you and say, it's wonderful to see that you are well. It's wonderful to see that you're well. You see, you are well again. Only encounter with Jesus will make you well. And then the second thing he tells them is, go and sin no more. He gives them a command. He encourages him, says, Que bueno, how wonderful, you are well, but go and sin no more. I love that Jesus didn't tell him, go pay your tithes. I love that Jesus didn't tell him, go tell the world what happened to you. I love that Jesus didn't tell him, go fast and pray for three hours a day. Jesus didn't tell him, go to the temple every day. Jesus told him, go and sin no more. It's a command. Now those other things are good. But Jesus is telling him the most important thing in your life right now is that you will live a life that is pleasing to your Savior. Go and sin no more. Jesus tells him, go and sin no more. Because of the context of this scripture, it is believed that this man had lived a life that brought him to the place of sickness. Jesus heals, heals him and tells him, sin no more. Some of us have done bad things that have brought us to this place, but even in our bad place, Jesus restores us, and then he tells us, Go and sin no more. And we see this even with, 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 the, with, with the woman that was caught in the act of sin. Jesus liberates her, does not condemn her in John chapter 8. And he tells her, go and sin no more. So when Jesus says, go and sin no more, he's not speaking of sinless perfection. He's not speaking of a perfect life that's impossible. He is warning us against a return to sinful lifestyle choices. Things that we know that we should not do. Things that brought us to a place of brokenness and condemnation. Things that brought our homes and our families to the bad place that they were in. He tells us, go and sin no more. He's teaching us and guarding us from habitual sin from the conscious decision to rebel, to offend God with our lifestyle. We evaluate our lives and we say, what is habitual in my life that I know 
doesn't please the Lord. That is what God is saying. Go and sin no more. And the church says, remember his worth, his words both extend mercy, but they demand holiness. God's word, God's words, they, they extend grace. They extend mercy. They extend forgiveness, but they demand holiness. The Bible tells us that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And when you look at that scripture, grace and truth are not two things that can operate separately. Grace and truth must function together for it to be just like Jesus sends it. It's grace and truth must come together. There are some that lean so far towards grace that they think that they can live any type of life and Jesus will just forgive them always and restore them always and bless them always because they live so far on grace. They lean so far on grace. Others lean so far on truth that they expect legalism and laws to lead them to a perfect life in Christ and their laws take them to a place of bitterness and brokenness. But when you understand grace and truth together, it takes us to a life of sinning no more. So more. That brings us to a place that says, I've understood the forgiveness of God upon my life. I've understood the grace of God that, that, has, that has blessed me uh, with a favor that I don't deserve, but demands of me a life that honors my Savior. It extends mercy and it also demands holiness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he talks about this concept that I've mentioned before, cheap grace, and some lean on this, and they don't bring value to the forgiveness and the restoration of Jesus. And he says, the preaching of forgiveness without required repentance is what cheap grace is. Or baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Christ. We must understand that he extends us encouragement and he says, go and sin. Uh, encourage us to see you are well. But he also demands holiness. And he says, go and sin no more. Have you experienced the grace of God in your life one way or another? Forgiveness of healing, a sense of purpose. You sense that God is doing something real, something tangible in your life. You feel like God is touching you and changing your home and your family and he's doing something miraculous in your life. Then there is a demand on his behalf, a command that says, well, then go and sin no more. We can't be a people that can live any way that we want and think that we're going to enjoy all the riches that Christ has for us. No, Jesus commands him and us today will stop sinning, which indicates our responsibility within this walk. Jesus was saying, I'm willing to help you, but you're going to have to do your part as well. Genuine gratitude should be demonstrated by holy living. When we truly have encountered Jesus and his saving work in our lives, it humbles us and takes us to his, to his feet and draws us to a place that says, Lord, I am so grateful for the life that you have given me. I want to live a life that pleases you. For us who are here today and have experienced the grace of God in our lives, 
Do we hear the words of Jesus speaking to us as well? That says, go and sin no more. Again, we're not talking about perfection, impossible. I've said this a million times. Hang out with us long enough and you're going to be like, we need to pray for those guys. <laughs> no one, no one is perfect. We all got our weaknesses. We all got our struggles. We all got our battles. We all got our insecurities. We all will fail you at some time. But every Christian should have a commitment to a life of holiness that says, I will not subject myself to habitual sin. I will not. I take a strong stance and say, I will not be intentional in lying. I will not be intentional in gossiping. I will not be intentional in manipulation. I will not be intentional in cheating or in stealing or find myself in addictions. I will not be intentional in flirtatious spirit. I will not be intentional in the things that I know do not please the Lord because he has made me well. He has made me well. So go and sin no more. It's a command. It's a command. And then I got to close, and then it comes also with a warning. He says, Jesus gives him a word of warning. If not, something worse can happen to you. In, in other words, he's saying, if you don't take heed to this, your own bad choices will take you back to a place of brokenness, take you back to a place of uh, being paralyzed in your life, if you don't take heed to my words, your own decision. God is not saying, I'm going from heaven to curse you. That's not what God is saying. God is saying your own bad choices will take you back to the place that you were, and it will be even worse for you. It's a warning. It's a warning to remind ourselves that, you know, sometimes, and I got to close, time is run out. Sometimes we get so happy with our changed, changed life. And, you know, we get into this institutionalized thought of being a Christian and coming to church. And then we begin to slack off and we think that, no, it's okay. And we begin to flirt with the gray areas of Christianity. And we, we find ourselves in places that years ago we wouldn't have. And we do things that we wouldn't have. And we think that we're healthy enough and mature enough and spiritual enough never to go back to those places. And when we're not careful, we find ourselves again in the lion's den. I want to encourage you today. And I want to remind you that there is a warning to be careful to have flags in your life. To remind yourself, wait a minute, this, I'm going down a road that, that I know I shouldn't go down. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a place that we were liberated from by the power of Jesus. But our own bad choices brought us back to that place. I'm going to close. So we're talking about this morning a life-changing encounter. An encouragement. Oh, my God, I love encouragements. Uh, I'm an encourager. I love encouragements. Could you hear Jesus say, oh, man, you, look at you. You're so well. You're so well, man. Isn't that wonderful? You're well. Your life in Christ has made you well. 
Oh, isn't that wonderful? Could you hear the words of Jesus saying things like that to you? I'm so proud of you. You're well. Your encounter with me has made you well. That encounter should demand a life, should, should provoke a lifestyle of holiness. It's a command. So Jesus said, then go and sin no more. Make good choices. Your encounter with me should lead you to good choices. But it's not a free pass. There also comes with a warning. If you're not careful, you'll find yourself in the same place you were before. So make good choices. But a life, a life that has encountered Jesus is a life-changing encounter. And once we've come to know Jesus, it changes us socially, spiritually, and physically. It changes you socially. Maybe you are isolated and alone. Maybe you were stuck in your own addictions and your own brokenness. And, and you had this idea of your broken home and family. And you're like, no, what stays, what happens in the house stays in the house. And, and you're just reliving the sin. Reliving the brokenness. But you encounter Jesus and it's changed your life. And now socially you have a church family. And you have pastors and leaders and some have counselors and coaches and friends and brothers and sisters and it's changed you socially. You went to family camp. It changes you socially. It's changed you physically as well. You talk different. You walk different. You look different. Your neighbors say there's something different about you. It's changed you physically as well. There, there's something about your, your person. You walk into the room and people are like, I, I want to get to know her. I want to get to know him. There, there's something about the, 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 who they are that changes the atmosphere. And your response is, I've encountered Jesus. And then it also changes us spiritually. We understand who he is and who we are without him and it draws us to worship him and it draws us to get to know him more and it draws us to be found in his grace and in his truth it draws us towards him because we've encountered him and he's changed our lives forever that's what Jesus does and the church says as I close our teaching this morning Maybe there's someone here today who says, the Lord is talking to me. An encounter with Jesus will change your life forever. He'll make you well. He'll heal the broken. He'll restore the lost. He'll renew what needs to be renewed. He'll encourage the discouraged. He's the only one that has the power to make us well. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, that, that's me. That's me. As, I, as we sing this next song, the altar will be open. We want to invite you to join us. We want to pray with you. Maybe you're part of the church and you feel like, that's me and um, I'm struggling though. But could you hear the command that says, go and sin no more. Subject yourself to what's righteous and right. And receive the warning. Receive the warning that keeps us. It's not a warning to put fear in us. It's a warning to keep us. Uh, it, it's a warning to keep us. Lord, help us keep us. And the church says, if someone would like prayer this morning as we sing this next song, the altar is open. 
want to invite you to join us here at the altar. Would the church all stand and let's get ready to worship the Lord and pray for our brothers and sisters this morning. Hallelujah. 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 To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.